Hey, it's Brent Lear. Yeah, I'm back. I think I was this here. Was I this here yesterday? I can't remember. I think I was here Monday. I kind of lose track of time because I'm still sheltering in place like most of us are. But yes, this is the BBC, not that BBC, the Brent Broadcasting Channel. And now, originally, I was going to be talking to Melissa Bradley because I talked to her about five or six months ago. We were talking about you know, things going on with Eureka, but she wasn't able to make it today. But filling in. Thankfully, filling in for for me at least, Nancy Santiago, who is I want to make sure I got your your title at, at Eureka, the Community Impact Lead at Eureka. Uh, Nancy, thanks for uh, joining me and filling in. Thank you. Although I could never fill in for Melissa, but I will do my best. <laughs> well, <laughs> I know that, and uh, the only thing that we may have a, a, a bit of a difference uh, with is professional football but we'll, we'll we'll soldier through that we'll, we'll talk about that maybe we'll talk about that a little later a little later but before we get talking about what's going on with the, the ppp program and and what small businesses should know about the new updated program why don't you give us a little of your personal background sure uh so i am right now sitting in sunny puerto rico sorry everyone who's sitting in the cold including my family in philadelphia <laughs> Um, I actually, we talked a little bit about this before we started, decided to make the move to Philadelphia after, you know, being born and ra raised in Philadelphia. Uh, part of what I was watching happen on the island as part of this economic crisis. Those of you that know, those of you that don't know, uh, the island of Puerto Rico has had an economic crisis, the longest recession ever seen in U.S. history caused by some tax policy changes many years ago. And during my time in the Obama administration, started to focus a lot uh, directly on the economic situation here. So after Hurricane Maria, those of us that managed to get on the ground and do some relief work, um, recommitted to our work around economic recovery and around access to capital for black and brown people and made some roots back on the island. So part of what I'm doing these days, in addition to working with Eureka, is building funds, building capital, access routes for communities of color, but testing a lot of the, the theories that we talk about when it comes to investment in a place like Puerto Rico, that after a category five hurricane was pretty much wiped off the map. Uh, and before that, the economic crisis that left the, the economy of the island in shambles, we had to really start to talk about how all this theory and everything that we talk in daily life around policy related economics really plays out in a place that has bottomed out economically. And so part of what I do here is besides, you know, putting roots down in my community of origin is also trying to untangle the thorny issues of capital access for black and brown people, particularly black and brown communities that have been all but forgotten. That's great. We're going to talk about that more. Um, I got my first question, and it's uh, from my my buddy. Almost hurts me to say buddy, but my buddy Bob, I like to call him Boston Bob Fagel. Is Nancy a New England fan? I'll let her answer that for you, Bob. Are you? Yeah, he should fan? know the answer to that. <laughs> he should know the answer to that. I am a born and bred rabid Philadelphia sports fan. So much like Boston fans. We do not stray from our home teams. We just don't. Uh, so, no. Sorry. Although, you know, Brady is still the GOAT at the end of the day. Ugh. I can't like him that much. See, I, I really sure. liked him on February 2nd of a couple years ago, I'll just have you say. I just have to say that part. <laughs> I like him quite a bit. But 
Yeah. That was that was Generally, a great save. That was a great save, Nancy. Because you started out strong with the, I don't like them. Then you started going into well, yeah, Brady's good. But then you finished strong with I really liked them the, the Super Bowl that the Eagles beat the Patriots. So there it is. I paraphrase for you. I hope you like that answer. One of the best games of his career, and we still beat him. So just just you know. Oh, so Sorry. that's like a nice little Sorry. salt to the wound. Very nice. <laughs> Hey, why don't you kind of give folks who, who may not know uh, the Eureka story and, and what you guys do, why don't you kind of give us a, a brief summary of what Eureka does and, and what you guys are? Absolutely. Uh, Eureka is a platform, a tech platform, that's a creation of our three co-founders, each of which had done work in the spaces of either access to capital, financing, investments, and really looking at the entrepreneurship journey and trying to figure out what is it that gets in the way for our underrepresented entrepreneurs? What are the ways that we can democratize economic opportunity for them, reduce the cost and friction of growing a business and provide the mentorship that we know is desperately needed? Because I try to tell people this all the time, access to financial capital is only one half of the solution to the struggle. The other part, is how do we build the social capital that our communities need so that we can we can reduce the degrees of separation between who we need to get to and all the steps in between how do we make it easier to both access the financial capital and the social capital that is so critically needed to grow and scale businesses and so eureka is the vision of all of that it's a platform that was created based on the decades of work that folks had done in the nonprofit space and in the financial sector spaces to really think about how do we scale the work? I sit on the board of an accelerator in Puerto Rico, love working with entrepreneurs and we do great work, but we're doing great work for cohorts of 36 to 40 people at a time. We were trying to find the solution to how do we scale that good work and how do we take it to 30,000 people at a time? Because we, it's not enough for us to catch up Underrepresented communities need to leapfrog. Nice. And uh, my buddy Alan Berkson says, I'm a Eureka fan and a mentor. Some great entrepreneurs looking for help. That's a, a nice shout out there, Alan. Appreciate that. And staying away from that jet talk. That's also appreciated. Um, so Thank you. Alan. Thank you. <laughs> so talk a little bit about you work with uh, Eureka works with companies like Salesforce and Facebook and some others around their grant programs. And I believe the number that sticks out to me is, I think you've worked with them to give out about $150 million over the last year or so. That is correct. So at the beginning of the economic crisis, as we were watching kind of our communities bleed businesses, uh, no quite knew what to expect or how long it would last. Different companies decided that they were going to take steps to attempt to offer some kind of support and help. Early on, it was like people like Facebook who was trying to, you know, get $100 million out to small businesses. Part of what we did was help them not only think about the programs that they were trying to implement, but also really help them think about the design. What is it that you want to accomplish and how can we help you do that? Um, having worked for the federal government, Melissa and I are not particularly scared of things like national grant programs. For better or for worse, we understand procurement processes of that size and scale. Uh, so that part didn't scare us. What we wanted to make sure of is if you're putting the money out there, Facebook, Salesforce, WeWork, then let me figure out the best way to help you get 
the entrepreneurs the resources that they need, not just the financial one. But if you're giving someone a grant, how do we help that grant go further? Because if not, all we are doing is delaying the inevitable, right? With the, with the money. What we want to make sure is that we're giving them the money and the tools and strategy to best use the money to get them to not just survive the pandemic, but to succeed beyond it. Yeah. So I think most people get caught up in the money part and Correct. think, oh yeah, don't worry about, I'm not, don't worry about the, you know, the, I'll, I know what to do. Just give me the money. And what they end up doing right. is spending the money so much faster and getting nothing out of the money, <laughs> the money they spent. And they're back in the same boat before, but actually worse because now they probably owe more money than they actually have. That's right. That's absolutely, absolutely correct. And so part of what we wanted to make sure is that that's not what we were doing. So, you know, throwing money at a situation, did we need it? Absolutely. Do we need to do that in a strategic way to make sure that that money goes further longer? Yes. And that's what we stepped in to do. And I think that that's what we do best, quite honestly, Eureka. It, we had the, the, the machinery to be able to do the grant programs quickly and get good data and make sure we had great applicants coming forward. Uh, and that's great. But the most important part was to have the know-how to figure out how to help entrepreneurs strategically plan how they were going to use that money for long-term survival. So this is completely separate from PPP. This is just what you guys are doing with these uh, these companies to help sure. them you know, give get the money and the resources and the advice and the mentorship to the folks. So let's talk Correct. about PPP. Can you talk yes. about the original purpose of PPP and what happened the first go around, particularly when it comes to small businesses and even more particular when it comes to small businesses of color? Yeah. So we missed the mark with PPP, right? As a country, uh, let's talk about the fact that, you know, it was asked to be scaled out by a government agency that quite honestly has never done well by black or brown small business owners to begin with. Like shame on us because we've not really pushed the needle on the fact that the SBA and other entities in government still were only lending at like 2% for African-American small business owners and small to mid-sized businesses. So let's start with that problem. We've never addressed it as a country. Congress never called the question about whether we were doing right by those small business owners or, or mid-sized business owners to begin with. And then we plop all of this money down to be pushed out through that same system and expect it to somehow magically make it to black and brown business owners. How? The system itself was only getting 2% out on its best day. Mm. So how did we expect that to happen? Then add to the fact that we had all kinds of other barriers. If you look at the percentages of black and brown owned businesses that are sole proprietorships, they are the majority in our communities. So when you think about the fact that we were asking only small businesses that had two or more employees uh, to apply, well, we've left out an entire community or communities, plural. And so those were the beginning stages. We had an agency that really hadn't done a particularly good job at serving communities of color, now in charge of rolling out the money. So problematic. Second problem was that it rolled out so quickly with so many unanswered questions that, you know, the devil is in the detail. I tell people all the time, good policy is only good policy if it's implemented well. And that we were missing as well. And then the sole proprietorship also continues to be a problem for us. And so the last huge obstacle 
were relationships with banks. You needed to have some kind of good previously existing relationship with a bank to be able to get this done. And we know very well that black and brown communities don't have great existing relationships with our banks in this country. If they did, the Community Reinvestment Act wouldn't be, right? It exists because we've not done that work well. And so all those things combined made the rollout for communities of color and the ability for us to access PPP dollars um, really pretty disastrous. When you talked about 90% of businesses of color were locked out of the first tranche. When we get to the second tranche, it gets a little bit better because you start to use the entities like CDFIs and other nonprofit lenders that have a mission around community. Uh, you engage them so the numbers get a little better and that's great. But again, we've not invested in helping the CDFIs and other institutions like community credit unions and community banks to really expand their reach and their, their ability to move capital. So even they were limited with their bandwidth. This next go round has a bunch of different things that have changed. One, we have a new administration. So I'm hopeful that that means we're gonna get a different focus, but we also now have an opportunity for sole proprietorships to be eligible for PPP. And we also now have uh, well-established systems where CDFIs, community credit unions, and other nonprofit and community financial institutions can engage in the process. And they've proven to us time and time again that they can get the dollars out to the communities that need it the most. And so I'm hoping that those things combined, plus the fact that people now have had some experience with this process, makes us a little bit more well-prepared to take advantage of this opportunity. But a two-week window is tough to begin with and really scary when you're trying to keep the lights on, doors open, feed your families, and manage to stay safe from a global pandemic, right? So. Yeah. We still have a lot of things. It's still an uphill battle, but I do feel like we have some more wiggle room than we've had in the last go rounds of PPP. So what does the two week window already started or is it? A yeah, it's, 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 already, it's already started. So we have to think about how we start to move folks. I mean, the truth of the matter is that it was supposed to be rolling out um, very quickly, as we know, to be able to get people moving um, in the right direction fast. We don't have a lot of time. And I tell people all the time for small business owners of color, they were already out of time when this started. Mm. So if you think about 89% of black and brown owned businesses had less than a 14 day cash buffer, we're into almost a year of a lockdown. Right. And so and when you add women into the mix, OK, 21 days worth of a cash buffer. But we were already in trouble the first month out. So everything we're doing now is attempting to catch people up where the reality is, as I said before, we need to be leapfrogging. And that's what we're attempting to do, at least in this process, help leapfrog some of the smaller business owners who weren't eligible for the first uh, rounds of PPP to now come in, get get what they need, get the information they need, uh, help them build the, the documentation that they need to be able to take advantage of this round and help them do it quickly. We actually have a webinar on it this afternoon. Oh, cool. So, so they can, so would, would like the first step in this process be to just try to work, work through you guys and have you help these folks? Because it sounds like they need a lot of assistance just getting to the application stage. 
Agreed. And, and so for me, I'd say it's not just getting help to us. We're part of a larger pipeline of help, right? So I would say the first thing is coming to us to help you know what's the documentation that you need. Let us list that for you. Let us give you some resources where you almost have your own checklist. Let us help uh, walk you through what some of the financial documentation is that's going to be required and why and how you get to it. That's part one. Um, then we'll have those resources available for you. We're also offering free mentor sessions for anybody who is interested uh, so that they can not only go through the, the webinar, get the resources in terms of written materials that they need that they can review later on their own, but also have that mentor help you through it. All of that is really to get you ready to then go to our partners like CDFIs and community credit unions that are also CTFIs, many of them, getting you to be best prepared. So when you get to them, I've now created the capacity for that team on the other side to do their work faster because it's all time consuming. And the more well-prepared you are when you walk in to the lending institution, the faster they can move and the more people they can serve. So think about this as a pipeline and each of us has our role to play in this. Ours is really trying to help entrepreneurs know what they need to have in hand to walk into those lending institutions ready to go. Yeah, just popping up a, a comment from my buddy, Josh Greenbaum. The problems reaching small businesses and sole proprietorships with PP, I think he meant PPP. Uh, yeah. I get PPE uh, confused too sometimes. In, in my community, where egregious, many banks offered their limit privately to top customers and ran out of dollars before they opened it up for everyone else. So you're saying this is being flipped because of this two-week window. That's what we're hoping for, right? And and so, you know, again, devil's in the detail, how well we get people ready and how fast we get them to the right institutions to move this. But he's absolutely correct. But that's where the problem with the previously existing relationships came in, right? Because if you had that existing relationship with a bank, you probably could access at top levels what, what was available. Without that relationship, that doesn't happen. Then you're left. It's like a lottery. Um, good luck. Yeah. I remember hearing about like Ruth's Chris Steakhouse got $20 million. I mean, the Lakers got like three or $5 million. So, so have, have all those things been worked out? Do you think that this money is, is finally going to go to the people who actually needed to survive and not to folks who are really good at filling out applications and have the right friends in the right places? You know, I try to have a little faith. I try. Um, <laughs> I have a good friend who used to say perception is reality six days of the week except for Sundays where we try to have a little faith. Um, <laughs> we try to have a little faith and say, A, we've learned from the first kind of rounds of this what went wrong and, and we've tried to make adjustments. Uh, B, we have more people paying attention to those things that went wrong and watching for it now. And see, we've engaged a whole new core of partners that have in their mission and in their focus, the communities that have been the most left out. So I'm hoping that those things, and mixed with a little faith here, get us to a better place at how we roll this out. And this was a better start, right? Acknowledging that there was an entire community of SMBs that were left out of this was the first conversation that we needed to have. Acknowledging it, recognizing it, and trying to adjust for it. Look, the truth of the matter is none of us have been here before. And I, again, trying benefit of the doubt here, none of us have been here before when it comes to the pandemic and the impact the pandemic is having on the economy. 
it could be argued that those um, black and brown small business owners have been in the capital access problem before because this has been a <laughs> this is a historical problem. But when it comes to how we roll these things out, there's a lot that we've learned in the first go rounds of this. So I'm hoping that we learned enough and we have the right leadership in place to help make sure we do a better job of it this time. And, and I'm hopeful with the signs that I'm seeing around paying attention to, to communities of color, communities that have been left out, uh, women entrepreneurs, black, Latino, indigenous entrepreneurs, all those folks that we know just disappeared off the radar screen in the first tranches of this, uh, the first rollout. So uh, could you tell us like uh, what kind of numbers people can expect or are hopeful to get when it comes to this process? Well, you know, it, it's a question of what, where they are, right? I'll say that we found that on average, uh, in the first rollouts of this, what people were asking for was on average about $5,000, right? That's not a lot of money. Uh, it's really not. Now, obviously, you have your Ruth Chris Stakes house, Stake houses of the world, and then you have others. But if you think about what the average amount was that folks were looking to get or, or that folks were giving grants for, was about the $5,000 mark. Um, that could change now. We could see different numbers because we've opened it up differently uh, to another community and created more access routes. But we'll see. Um, that's what the average was. And, and I'm pulling that number based on some data that came from one of our philanthropic partners. Uh, so when we rolled out yet another grant program with uh, Google.org and Hispanics and Philanthropy, we looked at that $5,000 number and said, we're going to stick with that number as kind of what the grant amount should be, but we're going to make sure that we've designed it so people get that plus in terms of services that we can provide them, right? So another $5,000 and more of more in-kind services related to coaching, mentoring, and strategic support. Nice. Okay. Uh, this is good stuff. And where, where can people go to learn more about the program and also to learn more about how you guys are helping people? Get into this program. Well, for us, you can always go to eureka.biz, B-I-Z. But there is a, a registration link, and I will drop it probably in the chat here so that folks can uh -oh. I can tell you I have it memorized, but don't. I'll drop it in we, the we, chat. We, yeah, we do that because we kind of lost you in mid-sentence there. Oh. But it's eureka. Sorry it's about eureka. That. Oh, that's okay. Eureka.biz, right? It's is okay. our web page. You can sign up there, but I'll send you something specifically to the webinar. We're going to drop it in the chat right now. Great. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the other thing you're doing. You know, the, the whole venture capital thing is, I mean, the, the PPP is one thing, but access to capital when it comes to people of color. I, I saw at the beginning of the, uh, of the pandemic, it was actually, it's like two pandemics. It was the you know, COVID-19, but it was also the social unrest that was taking place because of all the things that are going on. And I saw a lot of corporate entities start to pledge things like, you know, a couple of million dollars here, $10 million there, a hundred million, some people a hundred million or more um, to help kind of provide more opportunities than had been previously when it came to uh, startups and entrepreneurs and people of color having money to do these things and, and create those relationships and things like that. So we're a year into this now. Uh, where are we with that? Are, are we are we seeing beyond the kind of the initial promises? Are we seeing things starting to move in the right direction? Things starting to come together around this? 
You know, I will say that I have seen a lot of really good intentions and folks trying to dig in. Uh, but like everything else, there's such a short life cycle that we've seen around these important topics that it's not enough for that moment of a pledge. You have to embed this conversation into everything that you do as an entity if you really want to make a difference. If you really want to make a dent in the racial equity wealth gap that this country has, then it can't just be the one pledge. How are you embedding the conversation of the race-based wealth gap into everything that you do as a company? And how are you centering and focusing your work on justice and racial equity issues, right? And that's harder for folks. I absolutely appreciate the funds and the pledges and the commitments because it was quite honestly a long time coming. This is, should, this is stuff that should have been happening anyway. Glad folks stepped up absolutely thankful to it. But if we take our eyes off the ball and we don't make this part of our everyday kind of mission critical work, then it, it will go right back to what we've always been to. And we can't go back to normal. Normal was not equitable. Normal was not fair. And normal is what allowed our communities to be impacted so differently by this pandemic. So we can't go back to normal. To re really be able to make a sustained difference, it now needs to become part of the mission of what you do must be focused on justice and racial equity and gender equity at its core. So the dollars, again, I keep saying this, dollars are nice, systemic change is nicer. Do I see some pieces of that happening? Absolutely. I see more and more people paying attention to black and brown led funds. I see more people paying attention to uh, the minority business owner in general. Uh, I see that conversation. I see some energy around it and that has been sustained. Now the question is, can we ever get the resources that match the need? And that's yeah. the trick in all this, right? This yeah. is not a problem that appeared this year. No. What we saw uh, happen this year has been generations in the making. Yeah, I, I uh, hosted a panel at the end of last year around inclusion and diversity. And, and one of the things I asked uh, people is basically, is this, what makes this different? What makes this time different? Is this going to be a movement or is this just another moment um, that comes with everybody gets heated up, everybody, you know, and I think it, it, their hearts, I would say most, not all, most people's hearts are in the right place and they get emotional at the time and they say, you know, we want to do this. We really, we're going to do it this That's time. And then nothing happens. Um, I, I I would love to to be wrong about this. I would love to say this is this is different. This is a movement. But I think, like you said, for some of these big corporations, giving money is like the easiest part of it. I mean, they got the money. You know, it's like, well, let's just you know, we'll do it and we'll we'll give this money and and then it's kind of like it's a one and done, or it's just like you said, it's easier to 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 pull the money out than it is to. You know, how do we uh, change our culture? How do we change the system so that not only are we giving money, but we're giving opportunity We're we're, uh, you know, some companies I know are doing things like we're, we're committed to not just increasing the percentage of black and brown employees at our company, but we're also committed to increasing the percentage of black and brown uh, executives at our company. Because that's how the you know you, that impacts the decision making once you you add these different perspectives into it. 
Uh, are you seeing that kind of thing taking place? Are you seeing companies say, you know what? Yeah, we're we're definitely going to give money. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna try to get more uh, you know black and brown uh, and particularly in tech positions. Uh, we're 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 going after that. We're going to give money. We're going to try to get more startups. We're going to get try to more employees, but we also want to, you know, change the makeup of our decision makers at the at the C level. Are you seeing those kind of commitments coming in? Well, I will say that within my own world and my own network, I've seen amazing people who I know have done this work for a very long time, moving into positions like chief diversity and inclusion officers um, and companies that didn't have those types of roles now moving into it. Organizations that had not been engaged in conversations around racial justice now coming to the forefront and raising their hand and saying, how do we engage in this? So I, again, I will say that I have seen them and I don't think it's appropriate to call it the ones that have versus the ones that haven't, but I will say that I am, I am inspired by the fact that I've seen something that points to long-term change. But to your earlier point, leadership matters. So if you do not have women and people of color at the table where decisions are being made, then are you really doing anything? That's the hard conversation. And for people who say it's based on the skill, not the color of someone's skin, I'll say it's based on both, right? Because we are human beings, we have natural biases, and then we have some learned biases. We tend to feel comfortable in certain spaces. Why not make that space in place where Decisions are being made comfortable for people of color. The faster you do that, the more you see the reflection of that effort in your company culture, in the policies that are being created, and in the way you're allocating resources. So for those who say that, you know, the color of the people on my board or the color of my trustees don't matter, I say, give it a shot. And then <laughs> go back to me. Give it a shot. And then let's talk about this, right? Give it a shot. And so I do see more people moving into those positions. I'm super excited about it. I see more organizations trying to think about what that type of role looks like within a company. And I'm even hearing people talk about making this mission critical work for their companies. And the truth of the matter is that this is exactly where we need to be. I just wish we'd have gotten here 30 years ago. I'll take it. So now how do we make full use of this moment and opportunity, knowing that both media and our own attention spans are short, how do we keep the drumbeat? And it's up to people like you who have these types of platforms, but it's also up to those of us who lead teams and organizations to include folks who may not always look like us or agree with us, but are willing to help us make us better as companies and organizations. And part of what we're doing in places that don't allow us to make a foothold is we're building our own, right? And so if you're not part of it, then how do you leapfrog the problem? If you can't inject yourself into a conversation as a person of color into leadership circles in your organization, then what can you be doing outside and within your network? How are you helping small business owners access some of this PPP money that's coming forward. Two weeks is not a lot of time. And when people are taking on financial obligations like this under pressure, mistakes can be made. Help, jump in, mentor someone, get onto our platform, talk to other entrepreneurs, especially if you have a financial background, we could use your skill set. But help people not only understand what's being asked of them, but teach them how to read the fine print and understand that they are both trying to keep a business open 
and still do this, right? So we, we need as much help as we can get. And the idea is that we also need to be able to get our own financial houses in order as communities of color. That's hard to do when you've not been given a fair share of the pie. Yeah, yeah, that is hard, but it's so important. And I, I think maybe the other thing too is uh, people have to be open to not just the money aspect. You know, you might think you know mm-hmm. it all. <laughs> I, I try not to think I know it all, but there are some people who think all I need is the money. I know, just I don't need anything else. Just give me the money. I'll handle everything. Yeah, I think that's wrong too. <laughs> I think they need to be more open on the other side of that equation to being open to you know, advice and mentorship and, and potentially, you know, learning things uh, that maybe they didn't think they needed to learn, but it will probably help them in the long run because the money is one thing, but like you said, the mentorship, the advice, the community, uh, that's really part of being able to survive and thrive in this uh, particular era, I think. I think so. I think you're absolutely correct. And knowing the details before you sign on the dotted line, like a very basic one, for your loan to be forgivable, 60% of it has to be used on payroll. So think about that. What does that mean for how you have to plan your work as a company, as, a, as the owner of that company? Those are the kinds of things that we hope to shed some light on to help people get comfortable with pretty quickly. And, and honestly, to make the call to all of us that are either in positions of power or have skill sets that we can offer in this space to jump into the fray and not sit by the sidelines and engage. Whether you engage through Eureka and our platform or whether you engage through your local chambers, folks out there need some support. It'd be really, really great for the folks that have the skill set who have been down this road before or understand this work to jump in and mentor. One of the things I've been pleasantly surprised with is I assumed that the business owners that were coming to us for grants were coming for the dollars, but many of them were either as excited or more excited about the coaching and mentoring to hear uh, women and minority business owners say things like, I've been dying for a coach, but I couldn't afford one. Or I wanted a mentor and I just didn't know where to find one to know that not only am I getting money, but I'm getting an opportunity to get coached. It was music to my ears because that told me our business owners are clear about the other side of the equation and the other critical ingredient to success, which is mentorship and development of your skills on the regular. So folks are excited. And even folks who weren't awarded the dollars for the grant to ask if they could take advantage of coaching which is exactly where we want folks to be. This is our moment to support each other and to build the skill sets that we're going to need to survive the long term. This has been great, Nancy. Um, uh, where, once again, where can people go to learn about what you guys do? Because I, I, I don't know if people heard you because there's a little bit of in and out going on there. No worries. I put two links in the chat. I don't know if we can offer them up, but there's going to be a, a website registration that a we, a registration for the web the webinar that's happening this afternoon on PPP. Um, there's also a form. I don't know if folks can access the chat or if, Brent, if you can help us kind of put it out there uh, via text. That would be great because there are long links. Uh, but you can always learn more by visiting Eureka.biz. But I would say you get to hear more of the regular chatter by following us on our our social media accounts. So on Instagram, it's Eureka. 
top is and on Twitter, it's Eureka Community, but you can follow the work that we're doing. You can follow our entrepreneurs and the conversations and see what we're up to. We do our best to uh, talk about our work everywhere we go and make sure that our own entrepreneurs that are seeing success of like 50% jumps in revenue after mm. coaching are out there also evangelizing about the importance of mentoring and coaching and the strategic support that they get. Awesome. Well, Nancy, thank you for the time. Uh, let me just say a quick hello to to my buddy, uh, Sven. Sven, man, you're coming in uh, like at the end of the show here, man. But I'm glad you came anyway. Uh, that's that's okay. And once again, uh, just to let Bob Fagel know, not a Boston sports fan. She's not. Sorry. Just wanted to make sure we got that one recapped. I bleed green. I bleed green. It's true. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I will. I will let that alone because you're my <laughs> guest. But normally, I would have something to say about that. Anyway, Nancy, thanks again for uh, doing this, and uh, send my congratulations to uh, Melissa because I I was just uh, happened to be watching MSNBC the uh, I think it was on Monday or Tuesday, and they had the Forbes 50 over 50 uh, conversation, and they were highlighting like two or three people. And uh, guess who one of the persons uh, people they highlighted? Just happens to be Melissa because she just happens to be in all these spaces and places doing her superwoman thing. I know. Yeah. Well, first of all, I was like, wait a minute. She shouldn't be there. Not because she isn't <laughs> great. I didn't know she was over that uh, 50. But I, I was like, wait a minute. Uh, really? Anyway. <laughs> I thought it was really cool. You'll see more of her. There was another CNBC article about... Uh, PPP that Melissa was quoted in. It was on their, their page live yesterday and there'll be yet another segment that she'll be appearing on on CNBC. But, you know, she's a monster at this work and trying to get this done, but she's been at this for a very long time. And personally, I am grateful to her for her work and her leadership in this space and for keeping us all honest around what we need to be doing. There's a question there from my buddy Josh Greenbaum. How can yes. you go and find out how to be a mentor? Absolutely. Eureka.biz. And we have ways for you to sign up to be a mentor and someone will reach out to you almost immediately um, to get you engaged because we are really always looking for great mentors that know this work. So www.eureka, U-R-E-E-K-A dot B-I-Z. And would love to have you as a mentor. And I, like I said, I dropped some of the registration links that hopefully Brent can share with us, but we are always looking for great mentors. So thank you for your interest. We appreciate I'll make, it. I'll make sure he gets it. J J Josh is a great guy and I think he'd be a great mentor. So Wonderful. Good, to, good to see that happen. <laughs> All right. I, I've taken too much of your time up, but I appreciate it. Thank you. And please folks, check out the, the website, check out the webinar. I, some great information. And you don't have a lot of time to, to get in on this uh, PPP stuff. You better sign up and get clicked in there. So, all right. And Thanks I will so see much. you tomorrow. And uh, yeah, we'll be doing the CRM players tomorrow. So, Sven, you're going to okay. love the players tomorrow. It's going to be about your favorite subject. I'm just going to leave it at that. Take care, everybody. Thank you. Take care, Brent. <laughs>